go back with me in your Bible to John chapter 17. Last Sunday night, we introduced this message and we've entitled it, Jesus Prays for You. What is it that Jesus prays specifically for us? Well, last Sunday night, we talked about that He prays for our unity uh, here in the text. But tonight, I want you to notice with me the fact that not only does Jesus in this high priestly prayer pray to the Father for our unity, but Jesus in this high priestly prayer, He prays for our sanctification. Look with me if you would in verse 15. He's speaking obviously to God the Father. And Jesus says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil or the sin of the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Ladies and gentlemen, when you think about the word sanctification, what comes to your mind? Well, you may think about salvation, but let me say this. Salvation, yes, produces sanctification, but sanctification is an outgrowth of salvation. Salvation makes sanctification possible. Now you and I have a standing with Jesus right now because of salvation. Christ's righteousness has been already in salvation, applied to our account. We call that positional, positional righteousness, positional sanctification. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is established. That's firm. That's fixed. That positional sanctification. So what Christ is praying for in chapter 17 in that high priestly prayer is not necessarily positional sanctification that's established through salvation. He's praying for our practical sanctification. Or if I could say it this way, our progressive sanctification. In other words, He wants you and I to grow, to increase, and be ever-growing, ever-increasing in our sanctification. Well, preacher, what is sanctification? Wonderful question. Sanctification literally relates to, it's our relationship as believers with this world. Our relationship uh, to this culture. How we correspond, how we relate to the issues, particularly to the sin that is rampant all around us. What is sanctification? Well, sanctification, it, it is a supernatural, spiritual enabling for the believer to progressively die to sin and live unto righteousness. Sanctification is a core doctrine in the Bible for every single believer. Now, hear me carefully, dear one. You and I... Uh, don't have the liberty to ignore 
sanctification. Uh, sanctification is as biblical a, a, a concept and a, a, a truth uh, as is anything in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. God has not called us to uncleanness, but He has called us to holiness. This is sanctification. One writer, Nathan Bingham, said that sanctification is a continuing change. I like that. It's a continuing change worked by God in us, freeing us from sinful habits and forming in us Christ-like affections, dispositions, and virtues. And this is something that the Lord is going to be and wanting to do in us in a progressive, growing way. Sanctification can be defined as an increasing desire within the child of God to please the Lord more and more and to become more conformed to His image and His likeness. Galatians 4.19, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you, Paul said. Christ being formed in you. That's the gradual, progressive, and ultimate goal and reality for every believer that you and I would become so like Jesus that the likeness of Christ takes place through our character, through our lives, through our disposition. If regeneration or salvation is spiritual birth, sanctification, gang, is spiritual growth. It is a process that occurs on the inside of a believer, which ultimately will reveal itself on the outside of a believer. It is a continual heart growth, heart transformation that is becoming more and more increasingly more like Jesus, less like this world, this sinful world, less like this culture and more like Christ. The transformation of sanctification is worked inwardly, then it bears fruit outwardly. But sanctification is not an outward conformity. One doesn't become sanctified by adherence to an outward code or set of rules, standards, or policies. That's not sanctification, dear brother. That is outward conformity. Merely marking a box or a checklist on a behavioral scale is not sanctification. It never has been sanctification, nor will it ever be sanctification. That is nothing but outward conformity. Hear me, brother and sister. Sanctification is a process on the inside, that will reveal itself on the outside. You and I don't become sanctified by changing the outward and expecting it to ooze its way on the inside. No, 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 no. Sanctification is a process wrought by the Holy Spirit 
as we say yes to Him continually in our lives. And the Holy Spirit of God is continually transforming us into the image of Christ from the inside out, not from the outside in. So notice with me some thoughts from the text about this sanctification that Jesus prays for us. Notice this. This sanctification is not isolation from the world. Notice verse 15. I pray not, Father, that you should take them out of the world. Jesus didn't say, now Lord, Father, I want you to, as soon as they get saved, as soon as they believe, I want you to, boom, I want you to take them out. No, 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 that's not what He said. He said, I, I don't ask you that you immediately snatch them out of this world and take them and place them into a, a position of isolation. He says in verse 18, continuing in this prayer, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so, I have sent them into the world. He says, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out because it's your will that they go into the world. No, how? What does he mean by that we should go into the world? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it means that we live life with people. We live life in this culture, in this day and time. We live life while we're dreaming of and longing for the sweet by and by. We are still living life in the nasty now and now. God planned it that way. We're to be salt and light. He doesn't want to take the light out of the darkness. He doesn't want to take the salt out of the corruption. He has made us salt and light. And the more sanctified we become, the greater potency that light has and that saltiness has. So he says, I don't want you to become isolated. I want you to infiltrate the world. You get on the offense for God. Don't go into hibernation. You live your life under God as a testimony, allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work through you. So he says, sanctification is not isolation from the world. He says also in verse 15 that this sanctification protects us from the hurt and destruction caused by sin. Listen to what he says in verse 15. This is very powerful. He says, Father, I pray that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Now let's break that apart. Listen carefully. The word keep literally means to protect, to guard, to preserve. The word evil here in verse 15 doesn't just mean sinful. Now listen very carefully. It literally means harmful, hurtful, the evil, the harmful, the hurtful. Father, I pray that you would protect them as they are becoming sanctified. Protect them from the hurt caused by sin. Protect them from the destruction that sin would, would wreak in their life if they were to allow sin to have its course. Father, keep them from sin. 
Keep them from the destructive, hurtful impact that it'll have in their life. Father, keep them holy so that they won't even have to feel in their own individual private world, their private heart, their private heart house, they won't have to feel that destruction and that hurt and that harm that comes every time we sin. That sense of isolation from the presence of God that comes when we say yes to sin and yes to sinful temptation. And Jesus is simply praying, Father, I want you to protect them from sin so that they won't feel the hurt and destruction that's caused by sin. And then we notice that this sanctification is revealed in the radical difference between a genuine believer and an unbeliever. You see, there is a difference between the two. Verse 14, Jesus says, Father, the world has hated them because they're not of this world. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of this world. A.T. Robertson says that Christ followers must not be like the world, nor get the world's spirit, the world's standards, or the world's message. We can't get the message out of the world, or else we can be no good to the world. And while... A.T. Robertson made that statement almost a hundred, if not a hundred years ago. Uh, he, he couldn't be more on point for 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, if you and I adopt the same sinful practices, sinful practices, and the same sinful, selfish attitude and philosophy and self-centered philosophy of this world, we are no different than them. We can be no help to them at all. Stephen Larson said that the pursuit of holiness is a defining mark of an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about a self-generated, works-based righteousness. But I'm talking about pursuing the heart of a holy God and what pleases Him. Adam Clark said, how terrible is the perversion of human nature. Men despise that which they should esteem and esteem that which they should condemn and despise. And that's the battle, is it not? That's the battle talked about in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then the question, who can know it? Only the Lord can. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man, the unsaved person doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because these things from the Spirit are spiritually discerned. It's interesting that the word discerned, it literally means a sifting process to get to the truth by investigation. In the same way that a judge would arrive at a verdict. You understand the sifting process uh, that took place with wheat. And the wheat would be sifted and it would be separated from the, from the chaff. 
That's the same way a judge or a jury takes all the evidence and they lay all the evidence out before them and they meticulously go through the evidence to get to the truth. And what God is saying in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, that that is exactly what the Holy Spirit allows us to do when it comes to our discernment and receiving spiritual truth. We lay it all out on the table and the Holy Spirit says, okay, this is right, this is right, this is right, this is right. And the Spirit of God pieces together all the evidence. and We come to that confirmation in our spirit. These things are spiritually discerned. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 16, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt of law has, has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel or a basket. But on a candlestick, they hold it up high. and It gives light unto all that are in the house. Therefore, Jesus said, you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That process of sanctification that Jesus has placed and wrought in us from the inside out and now working its way out, the light shines, that likeness to Jesus shines and it makes such a difference that the world can glorify our Father who is in heaven. D.A. Carson says that a true disciple will infuriate the world. The true disciple will reveal the truth of the Word and command obedience to it. And when that happens, the truth condemns the world and exposes its evil and the world snarls, he said, in savage rage. And oh, buddy boy, aren't we watching that take place even now, even tonight? in our culture, in the media, in, in popular culture right now. A believer has a radically different value system, a different worldview, a different rule book, a different destination, a different perspective, a different motivation, a different standard, a different ruler, and praise God, a different source of power than an unbeliever. And that's how it ought to be. And then I close with this tonight, that this sanctification that Jesus prays for occurs through submission to God's truth. Listen to verse 17. Sanctify them, Jesus said, through your truth. Because your word is truth. Verse 19. He prays that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Christian, how are we sanctified? <laughs> By just commanding it to be so? No. 
How do we become more sanctified? By indulging and being immersed in the philosophy of 2021? No. That's why, dear friend, it's so, so vital that we be very spirit-led when it comes to even entertainment and social media and even the amount of exposure and time that we're giving our minds over to that. Jesus said, you're not going to become sanctified by that. You're going to be sanctified through the truth of the Bible. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you know this. I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? But the Bible is, in fact, the truth that reveals to us what personal sanctification looks like in the lives of believers. And getting serious about being sanctified begins when I get serious about aligning my life underneath this book. Living in harmony with God's revealed Word and God's revealed will. Jesus says, Father, I pray You would make them one. And I pray that You would sanctify them. Keep them holy. As holy as a human being can be in this old world. Let's let Jesus do that. Let's allow the Spirit of God to produce that in us by the Word. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, in Jesus' name, I ask You that You will take the words and the truth of this message and, Father, bring it home to us and help us to allow You to empower us to live this truth out In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.